Hello, and welcome to the Rocky Mountain Myrax Short Takes on Suicide Prevention Podcast. I'm Melissa McCarg, and today I'd like to give a really big welcome to Amanda Burke. And Amanda is the Region 3 Administrator with Team Rubicon, and she also manages their Applied Suicide Intervention Skills Training Program. And we will be providing some links for our listeners that will go along with the podcast, which will give you some more info, and you can take a look and find out more information. But we're going to start by just letting Amanda kind of tell the Team Rubicon story. So welcome, Amanda, and thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Let's just go ahead and get started. So first of all, for our listeners who may not be familiar with Team Rubicon, I'm wondering if you could give us a little bit of background information about what the gray shirts do and kind of how they do it. Yeah, absolutely. So gray shirts are essentially what we refer to as Team Rubicon volunteers. So Team Rubicon is a disaster response organization, and we were founded in 2010 um, after the Haiti earthquake. Essentially, our co-founders were both getting out of the military, and they were watching the destruction down in Haiti, and they decided that they wanted to go down and help. And while they were down there, they realized that the skills and experiences that they gained from their military experience was directly applicable um, in a disaster response environment. So that kind of was the the sparking point for how Team Rukan was founded. Um, They came back and decided that we were going to start this niche international disaster response organization, um, and we stayed that way for about a year, mostly doing international responses. In about 2011, we switched to doing domestic responses. So our international focus is mostly medical, and domestically, we assist homeowners and communities um, and help them recover from the immediate aftermath of the disaster. So some of the things that the gray shirts, the TR volunteers do is muck out operations. So say your home is flooded and then after the flood water recedes, you have drywall and other things that need to be removed to get removed from from your home so you can start from square one and we will come in and provide a volunteer labor to come in and remove that debris. Um, we'll do debris removal external um, to the home. So if trees are knocked down or different um, debris gets spread around throughout the lawn that you can't remove yourself. We'll come in with a chainsaw team and heavy equipment and help remove some of that debris as well. And then in some cases, we also do uh, demolitions, but those are on rare occasions. <laughs> so that's pretty much what you can expect from a volunteer or a gray shirt to do if they go out on a tier operation. Wow, that's pretty amazing. It sounds like you must have a fair amount of pretty skilled people that would go out and respond to these. We do. And honestly, our skills vary. You know, we have definitely trained professionals who have been doing Sawyer work or heavy equipment for years. And then you have your in-between who folks who have gone on Habitat for Humanity builds or have assisted in other areas doing reconstruction or refurbishing that just come out and help. And then you have, you know, other guys who come out and have no experience and you don't really need experience to to join the team. We'll train you and we'll get you out in the field. The only thing you really need to, to have is a good attitude and a willingness to come in and serve the community. That kind of makes me wonder what if you mind sharing a little bit about what your particular connection is with, with Team Rubicon. Yeah, so I actually started volunteering with Team Rubicon in mid-2013. Um, I got out of the Marine Corps in 2011 and I did everything I was supposed to do. I got a job you know, I, I moved into a new community and I got settled in and, it, and I was still struggling with missing something. Um, so along my journey of figuring out what I was missing, which ended up being realizing that I was missing a sense of purpose in a community and all the things that, that I had, you know, had in the military, um, I kind of found Team Rubicon. I actually read about Team Rubicon in a news article when General Petraeus joined the board of directors. And I happened to be in LA at the time and I started volunteering at their national office. Few weeks after I started volunteering, um, the 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 typhoon came through and hit the Philippines on the eastern shore, and they needed somebody to come in and support logistics. 
um, and I had done logistics when I had gotten out of the Marine Corps. So I went and helped Team Rubicon run their logistics section in Manila for two weeks. Uh, halfway through that deployment, I was hooked. You know, I was surrounded by people serving a common mission, serving a common pur purpose, who really just wanted to help people recover on their worst day. Um, and I just couldn't get enough of it. So when I got back, I applied for a position and joined the full-time staff. And I've kind of been with them ever since. <laughs> That's amazing. And you and you are on the East Coast? I'm on the East Coast now. I start, I was in L.A. for two years um, working in our programs and membership department. And now I'm on the East Coast and I run... Region 3, which is our mid-Atlantic region, doing response and readiness operations in this area. Wow. Okay. Well, what you talk about leads us to our next question, which is talking about how, besides providing disaster relief in, in local communities, Team Rubicon also serves its own volunteers in multiple ways. And I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about how participating in Team Rubicon might help vets regain a sense of purpose and community and identity like you were talking about. Yeah, absolutely. So you lose three things when you leave the military. I know it because I went through it. Um, purpose. You know, you're you're a part of a cause that's bigger than yourself. No matter what you do in the military, there is a mission that is bigger than you, whether that's your unit, that's something where you're deployed overseas, or just something that's bigger. Um, you have a community. You know, you immediately join the military, and you have guys to your left to, and to your right, guys and gals, that you're responsible for and are responsible for you. So you're immediately absorbed into this very strong community. Um, and then a sense of identity, your uniform. You know, I had U.S. Marine over my heart for four years, and then I got out, and it was back to civilian clothes and just this, you know, not really sure where I fit into the, the grand scheme of things. Um, and service with TR um, provides volunteers those three things or gives those, those three things back to the volunteer who serves with Team Rubicon. So with purpose, you know, you are now, your higher mission, your higher calling is serving communities and homeowners that are affected by a disaster. And that could be immediately after the disaster. It could be going back to conduct service projects and help homeowners. Um, you can do that in a variety of different ways. Um, the community aspect, you know, you have a tribe to serve with at home and when you're deployed, you know, whether you're on an operation helping the, the community immediately after disaster, you're living, working, and eating with a community of TR volunteers that are there for the same mission. Um, and then a sense of identity, you get your gray shirt. You know, I said at the very beginning, what do gray shirts do? That's your identity. It doesn't matter how skilled you are, what you did in the past, or what you do today, you're a gray shirt when you're out on the operation um, serving the community. So that's your, that's your sense of identity that we, that we offer back to um, volunteers who, who join us. That makes a lot of sense, and it reminds me of speaking with other organizations like Team Red, White, and Blue. It sounds like it kind of brings back that same sense that maybe some of those orga other organizations are also working towards as well. Yeah, absolutely. And Team RWB is actually a very strong partner of ours. You know, part of the, one of the aspects of, you know, serving on a disaster response is making sure that you're mentally, physically, and, and emotionally fit to, to respond because it can get pretty stressful. And so we definitely have a strong partnership with Team RWB on the national scale where our volunteers overlap in between the two communities because it's a they offer a lot of opportunities for, for volunteers to get out and whether that's, you know, running a 5K or even just going to the local, you know, gym or doing a yoga session, it's good to get out and kind of, they offer the holistic package when it comes to um, that community aspect. You just anticipated my next question was, we're just talking about <laughs> some of the, some of the other opportunities, but 
like you mentioned, that also have to do with service and fitness events and also, as you say, working with other community organizations. I've been very impressed looking, you know, just looking around just briefly online, seeing how many other different organizations you partner with and the really wide variety of events and things that someone who's part of Team Rubicon can just be a part of. Yeah, it's actually really funny. Um, a lot of volunteers for the first time will come out to an event or in an operation and, and say, hey, you know, this is my first time getting involved. I've been around for two years. I didn't know that you didn't have to deploy on an operation to be a part of the team. A lot of people actually don't know that we do service projects, we do training events or socials in between where, hey, we'll work with Habitat for Humanity or we'll go back to a disaster area and, you know, reconstruct a home or we do chainsaw trainings, heavy equipment training, even suicide intervention training, all these skills to help prep our volunteers to one, um, be more effective and efficient at responding to disasters, but also offer them opportunities to just get engaged and serve their communities on more of a daily basis rather than waiting for the next disaster to hit. And we do partner with Team RWB, we partner with the Home Depot Foundation um, and their Team Depot crews. Um, Tough Mudder is also a very large partner of ours where they're charitable um, organization for the next couple of years. So we, you know, the 2017 is the year where we'll be, you'll see us out at a couple of those different events. So we do offer a plethora of opportunities in between disasters to get involved and join the team and stay active. Right. And also sounds like many opportunities to get back at that connectedness, which is obviously a very strong protective factor for everybody. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. It's definitely more opportunities to engage with the community itself and, and definitely be connected. I believe you just mentioned, is it Team Mutter? Or Tough Mudder. Tough it's mutter. Tough Mudder, right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm wondering, if, that was a great one. I'm wondering if you could just spend a few seconds t- talking about that one and what, what, that, what that is. Yeah, so Tough Mudder is essentially a physical fitness challenge, and I honestly have not done one yet. I'm a little bit afraid <laughs> because I've, I did enough of that in the, in the military, and I'm like, I right. don't know if I want to go roll around in mud. And <laughs> uh, but it is a, a physical fitness challenge, and they range from, to my knowledge, anywhere from, you know, a 5K to a full-on 24-hour Um, team effort where you're going through obstacles, you are pushing the limits of your body and also rolling around in the mud a little bit. Wow. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Um, So we are their charitable organization for the next two years. And essentially there will be opportunities throughout the country to get involved with Team Rubicon to participate either as a volunteer or as a participant running the Tough Mudder. Um, And you can also find more information about us on their website. And if you wanted to to donate through them in different ways, that's another option. That sounds terrific. Well, I'd like to turn a little bit in a different direction and talk about another really important aspect of Team Rubicon. And you have a, there's a fellowship program that's named after Clay Hunt, and I know a lot of our listeners are going to know who that is. So I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about what the inspiration and the aspiration for this fellowship is and what it offers to the, to the recipients. Yeah, absolutely. So Clay Hunt was one of the original members of Team Rubicon. He was not on the original team of eight, but he actually found his way to the original team of eight in Haiti when they were down there um, and became one of the core members of the team. Um, Unfortunately, he struggled with with a few different things, and we lost him to suicide in 2011. So when I mentioned earlier that in 2011, we decided to shift our mission domestically, that was after um, Clay's death. We decided that there were more veterans that we could impact here at home if we focused our mission domestically. And so he was one of the pivotal reasons why we decided to do that. Um, So he is the inspiration for the Clay Hunt Fellowship. 
which is a year-long leadership development program for military veterans who embody Clay's desire for continued service. So Clay was a huge advocate of, you know, not just because you take off your uniform doesn't mean you have to be done serving, whether that's serving your community, your brothers, your sisters, or your family, or whatever it might be. He was a huge advocate for lifelong service. So the Clayton Fellowship takes Clay's spirit, and we take uh, military veterans and take them into this fellowship to, one, um, help them learn more about themselves, who they are, what their passions are, what they're good at, um, things that they need to work on. Because we say that the more that you know yourself, the more that you're able to give back and contribute to the community. Um, and so once you spend a decent amount of the fellowship doing a deep dive into who you are and, and what drives you, um, we then give you opportunities to uh, continue your service through the organization and other ways to make an impact um, so you can you know, take on different capstone projects within the organization that are specifically related to disaster response and field operations, or you can take on other aspects of a capstone related to, you know, process and procedures or technology, whatever you might be interested in. So essentially taking your skill set, your leadership and your skill sets and applying them so you can see a greater impact in the organization and, and continue that once the fellowship, fellowship is over. So in a nutshell, that is the Clan Fellowship. It's a pretty awesome program. That is Pretty awesome. And how many fellows would you accept within a year's time? Yeah, the size varies actually based on the, the number of applicants. The first class, um, I think we're in our we're accepting applications for our fifth fellowship, fifth year of fellows, and the classes have ranged anywhere from five to uh, eleven applicants. Oh, it wow. actually has to. There are times where we have more great applicants than we expect, and we end up accepting more um, because we want to get them into the program. And I, I'm wondering if, it, following up on that, if you could also tell us about a, another terrific aspect about Team Rubicon and, and how it uh, kind of cares for its uh, volunteers is kind of around a wellness approach that you take and incorporating wellness managers um, on your team. So I'm wondering if you could explain to our listeners what that is and, and how that approach works. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll start with kind of how we decided to, to incorporate wellness managers, and then I'll get into to what they do and how we them. Um, so one of the things that we found through the dis different disaster response operations and, and the, the connections that were made with our volunteers while they were working together and sweating together is that our members were more likely to reach out to other TR members when they were in crisis or they needed help. And our volunteers just were not prepared to, to handle a lot of those situations. So the one thing that we decided to do to help with that is to incorporate a peer approach to um, suicide intervention. So we implemented the ASSIST program, which is it's called Applied Suicide Intervention Skills Training, and it's an external suicide intervention program. And it essentially is a two-day workshop that teaches individuals how to identify someone who might be in crisis and then help them seek support from external resources. Our goal wasn't to solve everybody's the, the issue at hand, but it was more so prepping our volunteers to identify and then help those individuals um, identify what resources they needed and help get them there. Part of identifying the resources that they need, that's the hard part because, you know, even me, I, I don't know what resources are, what all of the resources are out there, or there are many resources out there and I don't know what all of them are. So to help us identify what those resources are and also help us identify and work with some of the members who might be in crisis or needing help, we decided to incorporate wellness managers. And a wellness manager is, they are a mental health provider, whether that's a social worker or an actual, so whether they are a licensed clinical provider or whether they're a social worker, they have a cert certification um, and they are a kind of a, that is their skill set. So we bring them onto the team 
and they are essentially consultants. Actually, they serve a variety of things. One, they're consultants for the leadership team. So if a volunteer reaches out to another leader or another volunteer who's in crisis and they don't exactly know what they need, then we can reach out to the wellness manager and say, hey, here's, here's what's going on. What do you recommend that I do? So they can consult on the situation itself and also help provide resources for that, for that member to go to. Two, it also helps reduce the stigma on our team. Um, having a mental health provider that's also a gray shirt and out serving in the field, it encourages more people to actually talk about what's going on in their lives and realize that they're not the only ones that, that may be experiencing th certain things. So it has actually dramatically reduced the stigma and more people are actually reaching out ahead of time rather than waiting until the last minute when things kind of come tumbling down. So that's the second thing. And then three, we use them to incorporate the whole aspect of personal wellness into mental health. So, you know, we have our wellness managers who are the, the clinicians or the social workers, but we're also incorporating other providers who might have different skill sets, like in meditation or in yoga or uh, mindfulness or something else that might help our volunteers seek out resources in between. Um, so that's kind of the wellness manager concept that we've that we've incorporated, taking mental health providers and introducing them into the daily life of of our members. Ultimately, the, the goal for the wellness manager is to have them come in and help the team to refer members to external resources when they need it and also be members of the leadership team that we can use as a support network for, for our entire volunteer base to, one, you know, to reduce the stigma of seeking out for mental health care and to just incorporate that mental health wellness is not just mental health, you know, wellness is the, is, is the is the mental, physical, social, and emotional aspect of a person, and making those options known and available to our members is one of the key things that our wellness managers do. That's terrific. So it kind of takes a, a holistic approach to wellness as, as kind of mind, body, and whole person, it sounds like. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. That sounds awesome. Makes me want to go to another point because I've, I've seen some of the outcomes because you sent them to me. We will make those available to our listeners. So I'm wondering if you can go from there and talk about what some of the outcomes are from this approach that you're taking and what and the response that you're getting back from participants and members of Team Gray Shirts. We experienced a lot of different outcomes within the organization as a whole due to our mission and due to our wellness concept. One, um, just by allowing providing an opportunity for veterans and, and military members to, to join the team and serve again, we have, we have, our volunteers have reported an increase in their connectedness to the community, their identity, and their purpose and satisfaction levels, not just within the organization, but within the, their, their lives as a whole. Even within the wellness concept, you know, the ASSIST program, we've had 400, over 400 chair members trained in ASSIST um, that has reduced the number of crisis calls we've had because it, it, it creates this frontline approach where we're actually seeking out uh, members who might be in, in crisis before it actually occurs. Our wellness managers, we've actually grown the team. Uh, we now have eight wellness managers on the team. Our goal is to have one in each region and eventually one in each state so that they can serve as consultants for the team and be gray shirts as well. Those sound like terrific outcomes. And finally, before we wrap up, there's something that I noticed I would encourage um, the listeners to go ahead and actually take a look, like I mentioned, with the social media, because there's some really good, and also the blogs that Team Rubicon does, because there's some very really well done blogs that kind of sum things up really well. And there was one in particular, I think, believe it was from a blog that struck me, and it ended with the line, 
This operation reminded me that not all family is by blood. Some is forged through sweat. And Amanda, just kind of before we wrap up, I'm wondering if you could give us your take on that and how you describe the value of sweating together from from a wellness standpoint. So it's funny, you know, the reality is sweating and working hard together feels good from a wellness perspective or just being able to physically get out there um, and, you know, tear down some cabinets or, or rip out some drywall. It actually feels good. So it only gets better when you're around good people who are joined by a meaningful common purpose. It only makes that even better. Working together with somebody in that aspect, it, it builds a community and a support network. Stories start to come out, you know, whether you're on break or, you know, you're talking about how terrible or great something is. You start to, one, share experiences that you had in the past, and it's very likely that the person next to you has a very similar story. Start listening to each other and bonds are formed. And it's, it's a trust and a bond that is hard to replicate in any other experience except getting sweaty together. To me, from a wellness standpoint, that there's nothing better than than spending, you know, six to eight hours in the field sweating next to somebody going back to to the home base and, and, and debriefing and having, uh, you know, either a beer or a glass of water and just talking through how that felt. Like there's, there's nothing that can replicate that from a wellness standpoint. Right. I absolutely agree. I totally agree with that. I'm hoping that people who are listening, it might inspire them to be a part of Team Rubicon. So if we have listeners who might be interested in joining or they might know someone who could be interested in joining, what would be the best way to get started with that? And also, I wanted to ask if Team Rubicon includes civilians as well as as military folks. Yeah, absolutely. So our organization is about 70% veterans and 30% first responders and civilians. So civilians are more than welcome to join. We actually call them kick-ass civilians. I hope I can say that, Um, but that's what we call them on our team. Um, And if you're interested, if anyone's interested in joining, you just go to our website at teamrubiconusa.org, or you can follow us on Facebook or Twitter and just type in Team Rubicon and we'll come up and we'll figure, or we'll let you know how to get involved with the team. But the easiest way is to go on our website and go to teamrubiconusa.org and click join the team. That's awesome. I hope you uh, get some responses out of this one and we really appreciate you joining us. And I'm just wondering if, if you have any final thoughts or any takeaways uh, something that we might not have covered so far. No, I think that's everything. I appreciate you taking the time and, and inviting me on the program. Okay. Well, that's it for today's podcast. And please do check out the links that we will have on our website that will um, give you some more information about Team Rubicon. And we also invite you to get in touch with us with any comments or feedback or questions. And as always, we hope that you might consider subscribing to our Short Takes podcast and also share it with anybody else that you think might be interested in our topic today. And join us next time for more interviews related to suicide prevention as well as resilience.